Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Continuum, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty in the world of money. I'm David Rath, Chief Investment Officer at Continuum Wealth Advisors, here to remind you that when it comes to your money, very few issues are black and white. Most things exist on a continuum. Hello and welcome to our podcast on the continuum. My name is JT Cox. I'm here with my co-host David Rath. Uh, Each episode, we're going to attempt to educate you on a specific topic. So David, for this episode, what topic are we going to be discussing? We're going to be talking about the stock market in general and hopefully answering some questions that people might have about the market itself, also why to invest in the market, and maybe get into some finer details about things that you may have heard if you're watching the news. I love that. And I think so at a high level, this episode, as David said, is going to be discussing investing, the market. And we're not going to be talking about what the market's doing today or what the market's doing yesterday, but this is really just educating you on the actual market itself and the whole reason behind investing and and what investing really entails. So I think that's valuable for a lot of folks because, as you know, you know, we turn on the news, we, we go on CNBC, or we go to our, our the web and the, it says the market's doing this, or we get statements and it's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. But this is really diving into what are we doing and, and, and what, why are we investing? So David, why don't you talk a little bit at a high level is what is investing and, and kind of what's the purpose behind it and why are we doing this? Yeah, and I think it's important to start at that high level because most people, they are tasked with investing their money for the retirement. Their success or failure in retirement is going to depend on the, the choices that they make throughout their working life. And they get told, open a 401k, invest money into that 401k. That's where it stops. And people don't understand necessarily what they're investing in, why they're investing in it. And so hopefully today, what we'll do is talk about from a very high level, what does that investment entail? And then break out, break down a little bit more detail about what those uh, what those investments are within the within their retirement accounts. So, at a very basic level, when you are investing money into a, a stock, you are buying a share of that company's performance. So, you are a small owner in that company, and the performance of that individual stock is going to be based on the performance of that company. So if you're invested in a good company and they continue to do well and innovate and make more profit, you're going to share in that experience. On the flip side, it's the same thing. You're you're going to watch the value of that stock go down if that company does not do well. So in order to mitigate or to minimize the exposure or the risk of investing in just one company, many people will spread that investment out over a lot of different companies. And to make things easy for investors, there are products that will invest your money for you across 500, 1,000 different stocks. And that's really where when people refer to the market, that's what the market is. It's just a collection of stocks that are all doing their own separate thing. That's that's a great point. And there's and there's a lot to react to and there's a lot of really good information there. Um, you know, we talk about this the market, you're here about the market, the market, as if it's like one thing. But I think as you broke it down, the market really is just a collection of like a thousand or a million different things, right? Different companies. And so the market might be doing one thing, but an individual company might be doing something else at that time. Yeah. So from a very broad sense, when people say the market 
they're typically referring to maybe one or two different indexes or indices. And it's important to understand how those indices are constructed and what they mean and what sort of stocks they represent. So when you turn on the news at night and you see that the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones is up or down for that day, you have to realize that that is just a small section of the overall market. For instance, the S&P 500 represents the 500 largest stocks in the United States. There's some, there's some finer details that I won't get into today, but essentially that's what it is. It's the 500 largest stocks. Yep. Whereas the Dow Jones represents 30 stocks that are meant to give a, a, a good representation of the U.S. stock market. And they do a pretty good job of that. They're selected by a committee, mm-hmm. but it's not the entirety of the U.S. market. It's just 30 stocks. Yep. There are other indexes that, again, there's a lot of different ways to slice and dice the market, which we won't get into. But I think that the two that people are most familiar with are the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and maybe the NASDAQ, which is more technology-based. Absolutely. And the NASDAQ has become more popular recently because of the rise of technology companies and how those companies have driven you know, a lot of performance recently. So I think that's another one to bring up. But let's go back to, to something else you mentioned. You know, when, when you buy stock in a company, you are a part owner in that company. And, and if, so if you think of yourself like an owner, you know, do, why are you buying ownership of a company? Is it because what you think that company is going to do the next day or, or is it, or is this a long-term investment for the future? Because I think if we put that frame of mind on, it, it can help investors. Yeah. And that's important to, to, uh, to to highlight because as, as people watch the price of a stock go up or down, which then reflects in their balance, you tend to get emotional about those balances moving all around. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what the market does is it prices on a second by second basis what the general consensus is for the value of that company or that group of companies in that particular point in time. Mm-hmm. The Overall outlook for that company is much more long, long-term in nature. However, when you get a group of people together who are making predictions about the future of not only one company specifically, but also the overall market, you're going to get a difference of opinions, which moves the, which moves the market price around. Yep. But if you're investing your money, you're concerned with what that company or what that group of companies that you're investing in what they're going to be doing 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Absolutely. Unless you are a day trader, which if you are, this probably isn't the episode for you. Um, you know, If you are an investor in, in the sense that we think about it for the future, whether that's retirement, education funding, or something else, you know, that future is, is what's really more important than I would say like day-to-day movement. And this is where I'll jump in here a bit. Information is valuable. But sometimes there can be too much information. And, and, and when I think about how things have changed just in the last 20 years, uh, it's changed so much when, it, when we come to the stock market. You know, right now, at any given moment, you know exactly what something is trading at, what the price is, and, and you're maybe getting alerts on your phone saying, oh, this is happening. It's up 1%. It's down 1%. And we're being inundated with information. And again, it, it's good to have some information, but you know, is there too much of a good thing? I personally think there is. But I go back not too long ago. There's a show that we've talked about, Friends. 
right? It doesn't seem like it was on that long ago. And there was an episode that I'll always remember. It was Monica Geller. She, she would look at the Wall Street Journal every day and she would look at the stock prices and there was a stock that had her initials, M-E-G, because she was Monica something Geller. And she would say, oh, I want to buy this stock. And because it was up yesterday, it was, it was up. I knew I should have bought it. And so they said, okay, why don't you just buy it? And so she picks up her telephone that I believe was attached to the wall. <laughs> and, and she says, hello, Wall Street? And, like, and, and the running joke was she had no idea how to buy a stock, yeah. right? Because it was kind of a, it, it was a difficult thing to do. And this was in the 90s. So not that far, not, maybe even 2000s. So not, we're not that talking that long ago. And now, you know, it's so easy to open an account online, you know, click of a button, you can invest in stuff. And, and again, it's good that we have access to this, but sometimes too much information maybe is not a great thing. Yeah, I always like to relate it to your house. If you own a house and you can get a rough estimate of what your house is worth by going on Zillow or something similar. But if you were inundated with constant price changes for your house, you might be tempted to do something crazy like sell your house because you're you're watching it go down in value and you don't want to see it go down in value anymore. But because you don't have constant access to that type of price information, you're not liable to make the same types of decisions that you would with a stock. And as you said, it is so easy right now because there's no commissions on trades anymore. There's instant access via a phone or a, a computer. You can get in or get out of a stock at or, or in any investment at any point in time and that might not be a good thing because it gives it allows people's behavioral biases to start affecting how they're managing their accounts. Absolutely, and and a couple of things we're going to touch on there. Future episodes, um, I, I got a, a designation, behavioral financial advisor designation. So we're definitely going to dive a little bit deeper into that uh, because there's some in, interesting stuff from that. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, but the example you give about your house, that's a classic Warren Buffett example where he says, you know, somebody buys a house in order to live there. Imagine if there's a crazy person who stood on the edge of your property and every five minutes said, your house is worth this. Now it's worth this. Now it's worth this. You know, would you, would you ever make a silly decision like you talked about? And, you know, because you forget, why do we have this house? We have it to live here. <laughs> yeah. And while we're on the subject of Warren Buffett-isms, uh, he also famously said that the stock market is the only place where things go on sale and people run out of the store. <laughs> because if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, of course, you want to pay lower prices for things because that gives you a better chance to do well in the long term. But people get scared of the short-term nature of price fluctuations. And when things start going on sale, so to speak, they run out of the store, they sell all their investments, and they sit in cash. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's such a good example and so true. You know, the price of chicken wings we talk about all the time, they're skyrocketed, right? And so now when I go to the store and I see chicken, or if I go to a restaurant and I see chicken wings are $20, I don't say, oh, I have to buy chicken wings now. They're up to $20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I want them to go back to where it was 10 cent wing night or something like yep. that. And that's probably too far ago, but it, it's, it's so true, right? When things are on sale, when you go to the store, something's on sale. Great. You want to buy it because it's less expensive. Stocks are the only thing that that doesn't seem to hold true for people. Again, and, and that's just our human nature, and, and we'll dive into that deeper on, on a different episode. So, you know, that, that gives you an idea about investing. And, and let's go back to, you know, why are we investing? And it's usually, uh, again, what we're referring to, the folks that we work with are investing for the long term for retirement. And when we talk about retirement, 
couple things I want to react to there. Number one, the responsibility for funding your own retirement has never more, we've never borne the brunt of that responsibility as much as we do now. It used to be you're retired, you received a pension, you worked for one company for 30 years, you got a pension, you had some social security, and that was going to fund your retirement. Pensions are much less common nowadays. So for most folks, we have to fund our own retirement. And investing is, again, what we think is is probably the most efficient way to do that. And we invest for the future in order to do that. And that's why we do have access to the market and things like that. And that's why it's good that we have access to the market. But if you go back a generation or two, my grandfather, he didn't have to worry about the stock market. He worked for the railroad. He had a pension. Market could go up and down. He'd read and say, oh, it was down yesterday. It was up yesterday. It didn't impact his life. Now we start to see it. We think, oh, this is, I'm not going to be able to retire because the market went down yesterday. Again, we, we have to think of, it's hard for us to think in more longer terms like that. Yeah. And it's a big responsibility because I dedicated my life to this business and there's a lot to learn about investing and you can do well enough just having a very simple strategy and talking with somebody on a regular basis to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But if you're not and you're making decisions on your own without any sort of guidance, there's there's a chance that you could make a decision that potentially puts you at a disadvantage when that ultimate goal, whether it is college or retirement. When that comes due, you could be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars behind where you should be if you were just to, able to, to follow some basic strategies. Absolutely. So, you know, f- folks who are retiring now, but in 2008, when the market drops said, okay, I'm going to stop funding my retirement. So I'm not going to put any more money away. I'm not going to invest. And I'm just going to sit in cash. They've missed out, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah there's, there, unfortunately, there are a, probably more than a handful of people that are still sitting in cash from the bottom of 2008. Yep. So they sold when it dropped, haven't gotten back in and have missed out on major. And again, we didn't know what it's going to do. You never know what it's going to do on a day-to-day basis. But over the long term, the market does tend to increase. And that's an important point because what? why is that? Everybody kind of knows that the market goes up over time. But why is that? Because as companies and the people who work at those companies, as they continue to innovate and devise new ways of making profits by inventing iPhones or inventing Amazon Web Services or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there is a constant forward progress of humanity. Of course, it doesn't always go in in a linear fashion. Right. But over time, you would expect we as human beings to continue to innovate and to continue to translate those innovations into corporate profits. Yep. And, and again, that gets back to, you know, when, when you invest, you're investing with the idea that things are going to improve in the future. Not every day, but, you know, things are going to be better in the future. And another Warren Buffett, you know, he always says, I, I believe in the power of the American people and capitalism. And, you know, I invest in that because I, I truly believe in that. And so when you think about the numbers, let's talk about the Dow Jones because it's a fairly common, commonly known uh, investment strategy and it's been around a long time. Um, so we, we say the market goes up over time. What does that really mean? Well, in the 1980s, the Dow broke a thousand, right? Yeah. And where's the Dow out now? It's 33,000. So take. over 30,000. 
And in, in a day-to-day basis, you didn't say, okay, it's increasing by this amount over a day. But that's, that's a major increase. That's an unbelievable increase over a 30, 40-year period of yep. time. And if it continues to grow at the same percentage rate, at the same growth rate, we will see in our lifetime the Dow trading at 100,000. Hopefully. Potentially the Dow <laughs> trading at 200,000. Yeah. And this is just math. If it grows at 7%, I did the math one time and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it would take about 30 years for it to get to 200,000 or some crazy number like that. Yeah. And that's hard for people to wrap their heads around because <clears throat> especially if you Remember when the Dow was trading at a thousand? You now can turn on the news and see that <clears throat> the Dow dropped by a thousand points in a day. Mm-hmm. That would have been the entirety of the value thirty or forty years ago. Yep. But today that represents about three percent. So you have to always think in terms of relative percentages to where we are and what that growth looks like. So in twenty or thirty years, if the Dow is at a hundred thousand. It's not going to be news when it drops by a thousand points in a day right. because it's going to be such a small movement on the overall yeah. on the overall base. Yeah, it could drop five thousand. It could drop a thousand points, or you know, five thousand points in a day. And for us right now, that would be a major thing. But that would be you know a five percent drawdown at that point, or depending on how large it is. So it, it is amazing how the numbers change. And 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 one of the ways this happens. You see this reflected. Not only do the percentages change, the numbers change, but sometimes the dollar amounts change. And I've had clients who've been saving for their entire life and they get up to a significant amount of of wealth within a 401k that's invested. And when it drops, sometimes those numbers can be scary. You know, how did I lose $100,000 last year? Well, you, you started with a million. And if you lose 10%, that's $100,000. And for our heads, that's so much money. How much did you make the year before that? 150,000. And I'm just throwing numbers out there. But and that's another difficulty that we have with this is sometimes the more wealth we create, the larger the numbers get when it does go up and down. And and sometimes that does trigger us to be a little afraid there. Yeah. So it's always important to keep things in perspective, both from the standpoint of the relativity of where you are now versus where you used to be and keeping everything in, in perspective in that regard. But also from the standpoint, as, as we progress throughout time, those numbers are going to get bigger and bigger and they shouldn't, they shouldn't affect you any more or less in the future because of their size. It's a natural progression as, as thing, as we go through history, we're going to see those numbers get bigger and, it's very easy to turn on the business news and see them flash those big numbers across the screen because they want you to keep watching. And the easiest way to do that is to scare you. So yep. always keep things in perspective. And that's such a good point. If you think about the financial news media and just any news media in general, you know, unfortunately, media landscape for the mo- for a lot of folks has changed. And it's not about delivering information anymore. It's about getting views, getting clicks, getting people to listen or read. And what gets us to listen? What gets us to read? Is it someone coming on saying, hey, everything is kind of acting within the range of normal. So we're in pretty good shape. So everyone just kind of stay the course. No, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't get clicks. So what does get clicks? The sky is falling. <laughs> Everything's about the world's about to end. You know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Whatever outrageous claim can be made gets more clicks. And so unfortunately, you know, we get tied down with that because we, we read these articles and they reinforce things that we think are negative. And so that 
causes us to again get scared and make decisions that are probably against against our best interests. Yeah, nobody watches the Weather Channel in San Diego. You only watch when there's a <laughs> when is the nor'easter coming. I haven't heard that one. I like that. <laughs> no one watches the weather in San Diego because it's going to be what eighty and perfect every day. Yep. What's the point? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting. So. We, we've covered a lot of information so far here, and we're coming up on the 20-minute mark. But what I do want to do is kind of just take a step back here and, and kind of c- recap some of what we've covered and, and any kind of takeaways that you have for folks here, David. So do you want to start by just recapping a little bit of what we've discussed so far? Yeah, so we, we talked about the purpose behind investing and what makes those dollar values and what makes those numbers go up over time. We also talked about the importance of spreading your money across different investments. That probably deserves its own episode, mm-hmm. talking about the, impor- the, the importance of diversity within your investments. And a very simple way to do that is with some investment options that might be in your 401k plan. So we'll definitely touch, touch on that in the future. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is to realize exactly what you're doing when you're sacrificing some of your paycheck to put it into a retirement account or any other investment strategy. Where's that money going? What types of stocks are you buying? What is the index made of? If you have any questions on that type of stuff, we're here to answer those questions because again, this is what we do on a day-to-day basis. So we're very familiar with the different types of investments that you could choose and some of the pros and cons of them. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, I want to just uh, just touch on quickly here when we talk about saving for retirement. Understand retirement is not a, not a snapshot in time. It's not a one-time thing. So if someone says, okay, I'm one year from retirement, well, you don't cash everything out when you retire. Retirement is, for most folks, fortunately, it's a long period of time. It could be 30. It could be 40 years. I've worked with folks who were retired longer than they worked because they were able to retire at a fairly early age. So even in retirement, you're still look, you're still investing for the future because as we know, things change over 30 and 40 years. Things get more expensive. So the value of a dollar today is going to be worth less in the future um, because price of things is going to go up. We're going to have inflation. So you so even though you might be entering retirement, you still want to stay invested throughout that time frame. Yeah. And that's a good plug for our financial planning that we do with with folks. Uh, It is important to look at your investments, not in a silo, but in as it relates to your entire financial plan. Absolutely. And so we do a lot of work with folks uh, running projections, both to retirements. Okay, if you have a goal of retiring and having X amount of dollars to spend, we can run some projections that are going to show this is how we're going to try to get there. We can also project out during retirement. This is what we anticipate as far as taking distributions. And we have software planning tools that can allow us to do that as well. So if that's something that you're interested in, if you want to sit down and have a chat with myself, David, or Tim Smith here at the office, please feel free to give us a call. And David, if they want to contact us, what's the phone number? The number here is 518-583-4050. You can also find us on the web at contwealth.com. That's C-O-N-T wealth.com. There's a contact us form that you can fill out. And I personally respond to it in 24 business hours. 
That's right. Twenty. So you have a person behind that button. I think that's important for folks to know. If you submit a question, it is going to an individual and we will be answering that question. So with that, I think we can wrap up today's episode. Uh, I think this, I hope this has been valuable for folks. And I do want to thank you for listening and uh, continue to tune in in the future. Everyone take care. Please note the information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Nothing discussed constitutes a recommendation. If you would like a review of your personal financial situation, please contact us at contwealth.com or call 518-583-4050.